Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I'm so grateful for every moment we get to spend together, for the time that we get to spend learning, listening, talking, and growing as thriving entrepreneurs. It's such a privilege to get to be here in your life. And I really look forward to each and every time that we get together here on the radio and we really talk about what does it mean to thrive? You see, in our lives, we have so many experiences and some of them are good and unfortunately, a lot of them aren't. I know you know what that means. Um, but what we do with that experience, what we do with that information is the key because information all by itself is just that. It's information. It's neither good nor bad. It just is. Okay, now I'm not trying to say that the experience you went through wasn't a bad experience. Please hear me on this. But after we're through it, it moves out of the realm of being something you are experiencing to something you experienced. It's information that should be able to help us inform us on how do we do things better in the future. What are some things that we can look out for in people? What are some things we can learn from circumstances so that we can do better, be better, um, and really live more of a thriving life because of the experience. Now, I wish that I had the magical capability to just remove from you those experiences. That would be even better. But since I don't have that, what I do have the ability to is help us be able to take a really good look at what can we learn from the experiences and how can we turn them into something useful? How can we take the worst of circumstances and use them for something that can profit us, that can help us be the best version of ourselves today. There will be times when uh, a situation that we've gone through will uh, you know, affect us and we'll have a bad day and that's okay. But how can we in general take that thing that we've gone through, that information that we now have, and use it to our benefit? so that we can continue learning and growing and being the best version of ourselves, again, like I said, while it's called today. You see, what we can do with information, because information, just purely by itself, taking the emotional aspect out of it, and again, I'm not trying to diminish the emotions of it, but when we can do that, that information gives us really everything we need to know to be able to make a different, better, uh, more powerful decision in the future because we now have that experience. Wish that we could just delete that experience and not have it have existed, but since we don't have the capability to do that, what we can do is take a look at all this data and be able to say, okay, now I know differently and therefore I can decide and do and be different than I was last time when I, before I went through that situation. Now there are things that happen in our lives we have no control over and no amount of information is going to change uh, the way somebody else treats us. What we can hopefully learn is the warning signs of people who are dangerous to have in our life, not um, you know, not impactful in our lives, not useful, not building us up or helping us get to a better point. And we can take that information and then we can turn all of that info into something useful that we can not only live our best life, but more importantly, we can really do things that impact the lives of others, the people that we're put on this planet to make a difference in their life. So that in all of it, 
both the people we serve as well as ourselves, are living as thriving entrepreneurs. And that's the point after all, isn't it? We want to live and grow and thrive and be the best version of ourselves we can be so that we can make the biggest impact we possibly can. So with that said, we've got three really great interviews today, and I'm looking forward to bringing each of these people and their unique experiences that they went through and what they're doing now to make such a big difference and an impact in this world. Join me in welcoming Tisha Dixon-Nixon. Hey, Tisha, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. And you, Steve? I am doing so good, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world? Well... My name is Tisha Denise Dixon Nixon. Um, I was mar- I'm married to a pastor. We have four children and we have eight grandchildren and one on the way. And I'm an author of my first book, um, Victim to Victory, My Journey from Sex Slavery to Freedom in Christ. So tell us a little bit about your victim to victory journey. Well, I was sold into sex slavery when I was 16 years old by my mother. And I was in that situation for about two years. And after the second year and all of the praying I did and talking to the Lord, because my grandmothers used to always tell me, if I'm ever in a situation, just call on the Lord and he'll hear me and he'll save me. So I prayed and prayed in two years, he delivered me from that situation where he sent him off to prison but even though he took him out of my life I was still in bondage I was still bound to that because he had my mind at that time and once someone gets your mind they have the entire you and so he had my mind and I had to start praying that you know God get me out of that and you know, that I wouldn't continue to be under his thumb because he was from prison. He was controlling me from prison. And it was it was just a devastating situation because the two years that I was in it, you know, he raped and beat me just about every day. And my first son is from that situation. Wow. Now, I was noticing on LinkedIn, um, you know, you've gotten a couple of, uh, you know, like master's degree and higher level types of degrees now. Um, did you continue going to high school during that time or did you have to go back and finish school after, you know, he went to prison? Actually I had to drop out and I had to get my GED. I got my GED and then, um, after he went to prison and God released me, totally released me from his thumb, under his thumb, I went back and uh, pursued uh, certification. My first certification was in um, certified nursing assistant. Then I end up getting a certification as a phlebotomy. And then I am a you know, medical office assistant by trade. Then I went and got my associate's degree in paralegal. And I went back and got my bachelor's degree in pre-law, which is um, legal studies. Then I did a year and a half of law school. And that wasn't what I wanted to do. And so God placed me back into the medical field after he sent me home to take care of my mother. Because for 13 years after that, I couldn't take care of my mother. I couldn't do anything for her. I couldn't even, we couldn't stay in the same room without literally fighting. And so I had to ask God to uh, forgive me for that. I had to repent because I used to literally hit my mother's back and my mother back because of, of the resentment and the hatred I had in my heart. So God had to deliver me for that. And I had to pray about that because I didn't like that person that I was. But at the time, I, it's like I couldn't stop it because it was so much. I just lost you. And on in bed bound, she was there for like six and a half years. I was actually going back to get my master's, but I started working at the time in healthcare. So I stopped law school and I started working again in healthcare. So I stopped law school and then I went in and got my master's. And my master's is an MBA in healthcare administration. So I have a, like a double major there. And I just continue to just, you know, educate myself and just 
I wanted to do better for my children and I want my children to see better because I had such a rough life and such a rough childhood, teenage, rather teenage years, because my earlier childhood was really good. I enjoyed it. But when I became a teenager, it was a, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, I bet. So the end part of your title of your book, To Freedom in Christ, for somebody who doesn't understand the joy of that, tell us what freedom in Christ means and what it feels like. Well, it means that you're no longer in bondage. You're not bound to what people think and how they think and who they are in your life. You only look to the Lord Jesus Christ. You realize that everything that you have, everything that you're going to have, man can't give it to you. Only the God, only Lord give it to you. Now he'll allow people, he'll use people to get things to you, but he does it entire time. And a lot of people take credit for things that they've done for individuals, but it's not them. It's the Lord because the Lord placed them in that position at that time to help others. Cause that's what we are here for. We're here to help one another. Um, and God does that. That's what he does. And it's, it's a freedom. I mean, because I was in bondage. I was I was beaten, I was battered, I was abused, and I used to worry about what people say. I had so, such low self-esteem of myself. I, I thought I was an ugly duckling. I thought I was just uneducated, and, and it was just the worst thing. I always had this negative tone about myself toward myself, and when God uh, just saved my life, and woke me up and I started depending on him and him only, even now to this day, all I do is depend on him. I, I pray every day, I talk to him and anything I need, I go to him. I don't go to man because man didn't get me out of the situation I was in. It's a lot of people around me, but no one helped me. He got me out of it and saved me. So, you talk about the transition you went through with your mom and the forgiveness that needed to happen there. Um, have you also gone through the process of forgiving the man that your mom sold you to? I did. Um, I, I forgave him as well. And I thought I was healed. And I thought I was over what had happened to me. And I was working in a hospital. And it's all in my book. I was working in a hospital and he actually I was the phlebotomy at this particular hospital and he was there in the hospital he was uh, hospitalized there because he was ill and I had to drop him his name came up across my hand held and I hadn't seen him I was an adult at this time and I hadn't seen him since I was you know since God took him out of my life and so I my my, my heart fell down to my feet I couldn't move. I was scared. I was nervous. And I thought I was healed, but I wasn't. I just had buried it. And I tried all I can to get someone else to draw his labs and go in there and do that work for me and let me do theirs. But no one would. And no one knew what I was going through and why I wanted to do that. So I prayed going in his room and he was real ugly. He was, you know, real nasty toward me but I did my job and I left out of there and I just it was like oh I was I was terrified I didn't know what to do I was on uneased all day and then again two hours later his name came back up on my handheld and normally I pay attention to what um labs that I have to draw on someone so I know if I have to go back again or not and this particular test was a troponin which is a heart test and it's every two hours and I never paid attention to it because I was so nervous. So when it came back up again, I started questioning God at that time. I said, God, what have I done? Why are you doing this? Why are you sending me back in here to this man? Why did you even send him here? And so I questioned God, but I went in again and did my job. And when it's time to do it again, I didn't go. I gave it to someone else. I was getting off of work and I was going to revival that night. And God spoke to me in revival through the pastor that was preaching that night. And he was in the pulpit and from the pulpit, he said, God said that if someone in this room that you think that he were being, being mean to you, but it wasn't for you. It was for the person that he sent you in that room for. 
it was for him and not for you. And all I could do was cry that night in the front row because I knew he was talking to me because I had questioned him that day. But yes, I, I had forgiven him. Um, I had to in order to move on because forgiveness is not for that individual, it's for you. It's like a cancer. It eats you up if you don't forgive. And so I had to forgive to move on with my life. But I never forgave him nor my mother. I would never continue with my life. I would have just died because it was it's devastating. People don't understand what a rape does to an individual, male or female. It takes it takes your life from you. And until you learn how to live it in God, you'll be it's miserable. It is. What an amazing book. The book is called Victim to Victory, My Journey from Sex Slavery to Freedom in Christ. It's by Tisha Dixon-Nixon. Tisha, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Give us a word of encouragement before we end today. Well, first thing I want to say to the victims is that it's not your fault because we always doubt ourselves or accuse ourselves or blame ourselves for what have happened to us because we always say what if i did this what if i wore that what if what if that's not your fault you're the victim the victimizer are the ones that are in the wrong you're not in the wrong you did any, you didn't do anything but if you find yourself in that situation where you're doubting yourself or blaming yourself start getting on your knees and talking to the Lord and asking him to help you and get you out of it because he will and if you're in it please pray to the to God because he hears you and all he wants you to do is come to him ask him for forgiveness and ask him to get you out whatever situation you're in he will get you out whether it's that type of situation or any type of situation if you know that you're not right with God get right with him ask for forgiveness and he will never bring it back up and he will forgive you and he will give you a better life just depend on him I love that Tisha, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thank you, Steve. What an amazing transformation. What a horrible experience to go through. But what a great way to now be able to take that experience, to learn from it, to grow, and to become an even better person, to do things and make such an amazing difference in the world. I hope you will pick up that book, and I hope you did learn something from that interview that will help you live today as a thriving entrepreneur. We're gonna take our first commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes your bestseller today.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call your bestseller today.com go to your bestseller today.com book a talk with steve it's proven it's guaranteed it's gonna happen all you have to do is say yes to your destiny Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we take a look at how the things that we've been through, the experiences and the information that we get from that experience, how we can use those to be useful in our lives, to do things, to make changes, to impact the world. Those experiences may have been a horrible ordeal like we like the first guest talked about or they could just simply be training and information and beginning to see and know in more detail the specific people that we can really help and then we can take that we can niche down and we can be more powerful and that's what our next guest wants to talk to you about is really how to be able to do the thing that they do in this world based on finding 
their unique place in this world. I hope that you'll get as much out of it as I did and that you'll really enjoy this next interview. Let's jump right into it right now. Join me in welcoming Chris Pistorius. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm great, Steve. How are you? I am good, thank you. Tell me a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Yeah, well, um, I, uh, I own Kickstart Dental Marketing. We're a digital ad agency that specializes in dentistry. Uh, but um, I live in uh, Denver, Colorado. Um, our company employs about 13 people throughout the country. We're all remote. Um, we live in a little uh, community called um, Elizabeth, Colorado. I have my wife and uh, kid, and I just sent another kid off to college. So it keeps us pretty busy children they're just so exhausting <laughs> yes and expensive <laughs> so kickstart dental marketing um you know you work with dentists all around the country or, or who do you work with yeah we do um all around the country um even um a couple internationally um we've been i've owned the agency for 12 and a half years now so yeah a couple of things that at least come to mind when we hear Kickstart dental marketing. Um, is it similar to Kickstarter type of campaigns or does it not really have anything to do with that? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. It really doesn't. It's just when I when I thought of the name, I was kind of thinking of something that would stand out and, you know, maybe um, at least verbally demonstrate, you know, kickstarting and getting something going and, you know, increasing business and, you know, something along those lines. Makes total sense. So dental marketing, probably not one of the things that people are thinking of when they think about things that are marketed to them. Tell us a little bit about how it works and why uh, it doesn't usually work for people. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, marketing is, is one of those things that's become extremely complex over the years. Um, you know, 20 years ago, a dentist or really any local business, this isn't just for dentistry, but, you know, could pretty much put an ad in the yellow pages, <laughs> do some maybe some direct mail. And, uh, you know, usually local marketing was pretty effective for them. Well, now um, we've got the Internet and there's 500 different places a local business can can market themselves and advertise. And so it created a lot of complexity in marketing. And so what we've seen is that a lot of small business owners are really good at doing whatever it is that they do, whether it's a dentist or a lawyer or an auto body guy, they're really good at that skill, but they're not necessarily marketing experts, right? So um, what we find is that, you know, instead of trying to figure out the marketing side of it, and sometimes they think it's just too expensive to hire somebody, you know, to maybe help them, they do nothing. And that's the sad part of it, because um, when you do something like that as a, as a local business, you're really allowing your competition that's maybe a little bit more, uh, has a little bit more innovation to get ahead of you and, and to start dominating local markets where you may have in the past. So it's, it's become more complex. It's been harder for local businesses to figure out on their own. Um, those are probably the biggest pitfalls that I see going on right now. So. You know, a lot of times people have the opinion that when it comes to internet marketing, they have to do something eye-catchy, sexy, you know, really cool in order to be able to rank. Um, how true or not true is that? Google and, and the search engines don't really care about cool, right? What they do care about, though, is content and the type of content that you're putting, per se, on your website. And if it's quality content, meaning you can't just go out and, you know, just talk gibberish on your website and call it content. It has to be well thought out. It has to be well written. Um, but content is king. Um, and as you create content and as you distribute content, you'll naturally develop what we call in the industry as backlinks, which are links from other people's website to your website. Right. And Google sees these backlinks and other search engines. And when they see a very authoritative link coming from a very qualitative, very authoritative type website to your website, that builds authority and trust with Google. So there's no tricks. There's no, you know, special pills you can take or anything and all of a sudden get your website noticed by, by Google. It's it, Google's algorithm is has really become very smart and complex over recent years. And um, there's no gaming the system long-term or, or fooling anyone. It's just 
you know, you've got to have good content. You've got to know what to do with that content. That makes absolute total sense. Um, I, I get that completely. So for a dentist that is still in Yellow Pages world, um, <laughs> I laugh at myself even thinking of that, but I know there are some of them that are still in that thought space. Um, what is an easy thing for them to begin to start contemplating the world of internet marketing. Yeah. And you know what, as crazy as it sounds, especially coming from me, um, phone book type advertising is still fairly effective in more rural markets, um, small markets with maybe, um, you know, maybe an aging population even because old people like me, <laughs> you know, remember phone books and have used phone books in the past. So they're, you know, people are creatures of habit and they want to continue to use those mediums. Um, but if you're in a more, you know, modern market, if you're in a larger market in that non-rural area, you really need to start understanding, you know, who it is that's coming into your office. So if you're the auto body guy, you know, what insurances are you working with? What is your ideal client look like? Right. And then you've got to start reverse engineering. Okay. This is my target market. Where is my target market online using their resources? Right. Is it Facebook? Is it Google? What is it? And then you start putting together a marketing campaign based off who your ideal target is and what their demographics look like. And quite frankly, there's just not a lot of small business owners out there. And I don't blame them that, you know, are good at doing that. So, you know, it's, but there are that there are some that are, and there are some that are willing to pay agencies to do that work for them. And those are the ones that we're seeing be more successful right now. Okay. Um, you know, because we all tend to fight something we don't know, what is the biggest resistance that you tend to find, um, you know, especially dentists who are used to Yellow Pages advertising have to going into the world of internet marketing? I think it's the unknown. Um, they're not comfortable with it. They don't know it. Um, you know, when you talk about print media of any kind, it's very tangible, right? You buy an ad and your ad's on page 67 and you can see it every time you go there, right? Well, with internet marketing, it's completely different. You can pay for marketing and never see it yourself, depending on what it is you're doing. And I think a lot of dentists and, you know, other, other types of businesses have a real problem with that and understanding, you know, how it works, the unknown of if it will work. And then there's always, you know, the cost, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of money and I can't see my ad and I don't, how do I know if it's working and, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's a mix of those things, but the biggest is probably just the unknown of it. So when you think about your ideal client, do you like working with the, you know, with the dentist who hasn't really jumped in or do you prefer somebody that has a little bit of experience in internet space first? Yeah, kind of one of our rules of thumb here is that, you know, we typically don't work with companies that aren't at least doing something in marketing right now, um, just because we don't want to be having to talk to them or talk them into why they need to market their business. We would rather talk to them when they've decided that, yeah, now's the time I need to market my business and I'm willing to, you know, invest in it or they have been doing that in the past and just maybe getting mixed results or maybe it's time to change strategies. Now, the, the exception to that are brand new practices that, you know, have, are just starting out, right. Or they've just bought an existing practice. You know, that's when, you know, that, that there's an exception to that rule, but typically we try to catch practices in the, in the sales cycle of they've already spent money or they're ready to spend money. It looks like you wrote a book here a few years ago called The Ultimate Guide to Internet Marketing for Dentists. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah, it was my first stab at writing a book. So it was, uh, it was quite a long process for me. And it's, you know, it's funny because I, I think you've, you've done some writing too. It's, for me, it's, I, I try to be a little bit more of a 
perfectionist. So I try to make sure everything's just absolutely perfect before I try to launch something. And that was my biggest detriment there is, you know, just trying to make sure everything's there. And I kept thinking of ways, ways to kind of redo things and, and whatnot. But so it slowed me down, but it was a cool process. And in fact, um, I'm in the works of uh, writing another one that's, that's going to be a little bit of an update to that because this industry changes so quickly with internet marketing that, you know, I could probably write a book every year, honestly, if I had the time. So we're updating it a little bit and, and hoping to release a new one um, by the end of this year. Well, and of course, then, as if the internet wasn't volatile enough, we had COVID pop up. <laughs> um, what are some significant changes that have happened specifically in the dental industry uh, since COVID? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, COVID hit dentistry a little bit different, I guess, because really, I mean, pretty much every dental practice in the country was mandated to shut down for, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, some, some longer, depending on where they were. Um, so that was a, you know, a, a big struggle for a lot of dental practices. I mean, there's a lot of industries that, you know, they didn't really see that. So that was certainly a, a big part of it. And then it's just the, the marketing of, you know, letting your current patients know that it's safe to come back and talking about specifically what precautions that the dental practice takes and um, specifically why it's a safe place for them to, to be. And then and an in interesting dynamic also came out of this. And, it, you know, this dynamic was already in, in process, but it moved it along a little bit quicker. And that's the idea of telehealth. So instead of actually physically going into a dental practice, um, how could it be possible to do virtual consultations, right? So it sped that process along a little bit as well. Um, and, and that was, I think, an interesting concept. Um, but yeah, I, I think the medical industry as a whole was affected a little bit differently. And, you know, it was, it was pretty scary for a while. And we're starting to see things kind of normalize a little bit now. So interestingly, because I was thinking of telehealth appointments I've done with regular doctors, and I was trying to think how you do a dental appointment, yeah. you know, open up and say, ah, uh, <laughs> over the phone. Yeah, it's a little different. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm not sure that it's the future for dentistry. I think it works much better in medical. <laughs> However, there are some things, you know, certainly you can handle over a, a, a visit, right? Um, you know, it's not, I wouldn't think of it as like, you know, here's the camera, open your mouth, you know, let me do an inspection. It can be more like, you know, prescriptions. Um, it could be, um, just checking in, you know, things like that. But we also see some dentists use it as, um, an initial consult, you know, instead of, you know, when they get there, they talk about their issues or what they really want. They get a lot of that out of the way first. And then once they come in, they can get right to the actual work part of it, I guess. Absolutely. That makes total sense. So for a dentist who needs the help uh, putting their message out there online, um, what would be, and we're going to talk here in a minute about how they can work with you, but what's one thing that they should do right now to really be meeting the current modern market? I think it's understand your competition. You know, I think in medical and dentistry and all that fun stuff, sometimes you don't think yourself, think of yourself as a sales organization, right? Like maybe you have a more mainstream company, like a, you know, a, a, maybe an HVAC guy or air conditioning, you know, or a car sales place, auto, auto dealership. But what I try to tell dentists are that, you know, they are, you know, they're, they're not, they're not selling, you know, your typical product. They're selling a solution to a problem. And, you know, it, and it is very much a sales organization and that they have to understand their competition. So kind of where it starts for us when we talk to them and they become a client is number one, we talk about their unique selling proposition, um, which is what makes them different than the 40 other dentists in their town? What is it that makes them tick? Why should somebody choose them versus a competition? And then once we have that, we start talking about, um, you know, really, you know, who's your target market, right? Who is it that we want to come in? Who's your ideal patient? 25 to 35 year old female, two and a half kids and owns their own home. Is it somebody else or is it more than one type of avatar we call them? And then third is we've got to understand the competition. Who is it now that's doing really well and why? 
And that's more on our part of it. We do a bunch of competitive research with digital marketing. What's their websites like? Are they doing paid advertising on Google? Are they doing Facebook ads? Um, how much, you know, we have all kinds of tools that tell us how many people go to their websites and, you know, what offers do they have? And, you know, what is it that's making them successful? And we reverse engineer some of that. So, you know, probably I gave you more than what you bargained for there, but there's really three main things that we look at. And what I think a, a dentist or really, again, this could apply for any type of local business. Um, first step should be in terms of, of making that potential switch. Perfect. Love it. So if somebody would want to work with you, um, how couldn't they get in contact with you and take the conversation deeper? Yeah, I do a lot of these podcasts. And what I tell people is that, you know, if, if you need some help and you're the auto body guy or the lawyer or whatever, and you're listening to this, go to my website, kickstartdental.com. There's a free strategy session button right on the, at the top. Um, fill that out. You don't have to be a dentist um, if you are great, but schedule a time with me. I do all of the, the consultations myself um, and I won't charge you anything just to give you some advice. Look at your website, you know, just see how things are going um, and give you kind of a free strategy session. So um, feel free to do that. And if you're a dentist, same thing, obviously. And then if you need some actual help with it, then we're probably your, your go-to guys. Perfect. I love that. Well, Chris, thanks for spending so much time here with us on the show today. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Who are the specific people that from the experiences you have, you can now know that you can really meet their needs. You could show up in a specific market and powerfully work with a certain group of people and make what they do in the world better while also helping you be able to have a very effective and powerful company. What a great way to niche down and really show up as a thriving entrepreneur. Let's take another commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now, what are you waiting for? Grab a pen, here we go. All you gotta do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We've been talking today about the experiences that we have in life and how we can take those and turn them into something that's useful in our lives and more importantly that allows us to be able to make the difference that only we can make in this world. How to take a trauma and turn it into a triumph is what we talked about in the first segment. And then a second segment, we talked about how in doing what we do well, we learn more specifically a niche group of people that we can work with and we can make their lives better while also having a powerful company. And now last, we wanna look purely at how powerful data can actually be and how um, a lot of times, even though data can seem so unuseful, so um, even exhausting in some ways, how all of that data can come together and really give us some powerful information that is not only useful, but effective to help us live as a thriving entrepreneur. Let's do our next guest. Join me in welcoming Luke Aragani. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here with us. Tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. So uh, 
I run an AI consulting company out of Seattle. I've been working in machine learning programs for you know, probably 10 or 15 years now, kind of back before it had the name. Uh, I've done work for some pretty big brands. We've been really lucky on the client front. Brands like AT&T, UPS, Getty, J&J, Goldman Sachs, Fox, kind of a, the list goes on. And uh, we've been able to see a, a lot of really small projects and really big projects. And I'm kind of here just to have fun and talk about AI and machine learning with you. So for people who don't understand those phrases, explain to us what AI and machine learning is. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So if you've heard this in news and articles like Facebook's released this great AI or Elon Musk has a new machine learning thing, what they're really talking about is um, if you have a ton of data, which a lot of these companies do, um, you can find predictive qualities in the data to do things uh, that are very simple. And if you stack enough of the simple things together, they do something kind of useful. So no one, none of these people are, are creating like Terminator machines, right? What they're doing is they're saying, um, we have like, we'll take, we'll take a practical thing. Let's say you have an e-commerce site. doesn't matter how big it is. You're going to have one big problem, which is how do I predict the person at my site that they're there right now, what they really want to buy and put it in front of them in the best possible light. Well, that prediction can be done by taking all of the customers that have ever come to your site and all the things that any of them have ever bought, you put it into a machine learning model. And then when someone comes to the site, we put all the information we know about them and we say, this product, this is the thing that they'll most likely buy. You should advertise this. And it doesn't change. It doesn't matter if you're Facebook or Google. It is just one simple thing that you work on. One single prediction. And when you stack them together, if you have 20 or 30 of them, maybe you drive a car like Tesla. Or if you're on your Facebook, you have a dozen and they run the feed on Instagram. But largely, it's a very practical tool to try and do very simple predictions. So let's address one of the biggest conspiracy theories I've heard in your space. And that's that if you talk about something around your phone, they are listening to you and will start serving you those kind of ads on social media. So I can't speak to what any of my clients have done. And I don't want to speculate too much about other social media companies, but you should be aware that if the microphone has access uh, on the app or the app has access to the microphone, uh, that's a possible channel of data that can be withdrawn. Um, now it's actually really expensive to pull voice data. It's because voice data has to be processed and it's not actually great right now. Storage for it is pretty enormous, but it's not impossible to do. I would say that like on the scale of like one through aliens visit us kind of thing, it's probably somewhere like in a five or six. It's definitely possible. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's not the easiest thing for companies to do. Well, let's take that to the ultimate other side of it, because I happen to have a friend that worked in that industry. Um, you know, the age old concept of if you say a certain word over the phone that the NSA is going to show up at your house. Um, I happen <laughs> yeah. to know that they actually tested that and they filled so much hard drive space that they would have had to employ like a thousand people to just go through the stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's a great example of what I'm talking about. It's it's not like it's difficult to acquire this data. It's possible to do it. You could compress it by taking the audio and turning it into text. And then from the text have machines do the reading on it. But both of those steps are not impervious to error. Like the process of taking your audio and turning it to text, which would be a much smaller file, that is error prone. And then having machine learning come through the text once again has enough errors to do. So you, um, you kind of have two processes that are at odds. The highest fidelity thing is you record it all to a disk and have a human listen to it, but that's pretty time consuming. You bring up a great example though of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and that's voice to text or text to voice type of systems. Um, you know, is there any of them that actually are worth using it? So there's there's been a lot of, a lot of interesting tech in this space. I would say that like Siri is okay. Alexa is not okay. And Google is probably as far along as any company is. And Google's strategy was slightly different from the rest. 
And uh, it's, so like if you have you have kind of these two major camps where one is basically trying to predict this is the word that's being said based off of this slight audio file. And then you have basically Google, which was trying to recreate um, the context before and after the word to try and figure out what the word is currently being said now. So, you know, if you said uh, like the, that funny bone apple tea, I'm not sure if you've seen that subreddit, right? Instead of bone appetit, it's bone apple tea. Even though those words match, that doesn't make any sense, right? Bon appetit makes a lot more sense. And so Google would know, hey, this is actually bon appetit. It's a different language. I'm going to put this in. What other systems, they might just actually hear bone apple tea, even though that's not a thing. Um, anyway, so I would say Google's pretty far along, but their, their program, uh, it, it requires a tremendous amount of computation to be able to understand the before and after part. So it's not trivial. So one simple solution that I know people are using in this space is uh, closed captioning on like YouTube mm -hmm. videos. Yeah. Um, and that's come a long ways. Absolutely. And you know, what's even better about that is there's, it also challenges our nature of what what constitutes a word in our shared lexicon? Because on places like TikTok, Instagram, Reels, you know, YouTube, you have an, its own language. And I literally mean it is a language, of course, a lot of it is a subset of English, but like words that are being invented that really don't have any context or place previously. And that's a challenge to a lot of these captioning systems. And I think we're all very graceful about it. We know when like, oh, that's kind of a made up word that's just started happening. So I'm going to give it some, some grace that it doesn't get the word right in the caption, but I, I understand what they're saying. Uh, but that's, that's definitely going to be a challenge going forward of like, how do we, how do we capture these kind of made up words as we have more colloquial conversations in AI? And of course, the perfect world would be, you know, you're talking about e-commerce and that the perfect world would be to have the kind of money to really understand exactly what ad to put on the homepage when a specific mm -hmm. person visits. But how realistically is that where we are currently economically? So that's a very realistic thing. There's um, there's probably several vendors that do it. You wouldn't need to hire a team like me. There's probably products out of the box that can do something like that. So I would say on the, on the real to made up aliens visiting us, that is as real as real gets. That so, level of personalization has been around for a bit. All right. That's cool. So what would be the level where, you know, a person should hire somebody like you to come in and say, hey, Luke, help me out. How many figure out how to do this thing? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of times you'll find that your problems can be solved with vendor apps, like a vendor that you have that knows your industry really well says, hey, we're working on this AI. I would reach out and use them first. Second tier is going to probably be like the AWS has like AI apps and uh Azure has AI like generalized APIs. Using those are effective too, but oftentimes people call us when they need a ringer to build something that uh, that no one else has built before. So it's like it's intellectual property. It's a moat for your industry. It's something where you think, you know what I I'm I need to build this. No one else has built it, and when it's done, my competitors will not be able to compete with me. That's typically the projects we really enjoy working on. So let's just for fun, what's the craziest aliens visiting the planet type of project somebody's wanted <laughs> wanted you to do that you, obviously you couldn't? Um, that's a good question. A lot of the times people, they kind of vet ideas before they come to me or you know they'll ask me for the idea. So I never, never really get to support that too much, but um, I would say the, the biggest one is generalized AI. Um, so generalized artificial intelligence is something that we do think about like as Terminator machines, like building a machine that can think and can have those kinds of um, experiences that humans have. And I would say that that's something that, of course, I've said, you know, sorry, that's not something that we do, but really it's, 
it's very difficult to build something like that. You would need to give a machine some kind of motivation. And really it ends up kind of building this whole, like what makes us human kind of conversation, right? It's like, well, you'd have to motivate this thing, this intelligence to try and have some kind of desire. You know, for us, it's we, we wake up and have our own life, but for many people, maybe they don't have any desires, right? It's kind of a, a strange place to be in when we think about generalized AI, because it's actually not a machine problem. It's a reflective problem. Like, how do we categorize ourselves? Uh, I hope I'm not getting too philosophical in that, but uh, uh, I hope you can, or your listeners can appreciate kind of the problems that exist there, which is it's hard for us to know what constitutes intelligence. Well, especially, and I, I love that you took the philosophic end of it, because if we as people can't agree what we as people should be, <laughs> how are we going to make something that represents that? <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to nerd out too much, but there was a series 10, 15 years ago called Battlestar Galactica. And basically it was a whole, I don't know how many seasons it was, but it was your classic TV sci-fi. But what was really fantastic was that the whole motif was, was what makes you human? And there was basically this human race versus like an artificial intelligence race, but the artificial intelligence race had created a completely biological form of themselves that even bled. Like they were clones essentially. And I thought that that was really a fascinating stake for people that do work in generalized AI. And as we approach kind of this singularity that I know everyone loves talking about, how will we classify ourselves or distinguish ourselves from any other level of intelligence? And I think people will have a funny time trying to think about it and realize that you will start excluding actual humans you know, right? Like, like you're like, well, it has to think critically. Well, that excludes like at least four or five people I know that I'm good friends with, right? And so uh, you kind of go through the process. You're like, well, it would need to be able to differentiate between this and that. And as you go through it, you're like, man, but I know humans that can't do that. And uh, it's, it's kind of a fascinating process that um, I'm, I'm excited to be here for. Thanks for going down the rabbit hole with me on that one, Luke. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. So for the person who's kind of newer in this space, how do they know whether they should contact you or do you just want them to you know, contact you and then you can send them to you know, something that's already written if, if they don't really need your service? Yeah. So someone can reach out to me like on uh, LinkedIn, Luke Aragonium, one of the only profiles up. Or you go to my site, aracor.com, A-R-R-I-C-O-R.com. Uh, you can reach out and we could take a look at your project and either help guide you to you know, a more economical option. Or, you know, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole with us and build something that's IP moat for your industry, we'd love to have that conversation with you. So just to kind of inspire us a little bit, give us a realistic, you know, like on the one, two aliens visiting the planet, the, this will, might be a five now, but it will be a one vision for where we're yeah. headed in this, in this direction. So something that's really fascinating is that machines are going to help us understand our social lives much better. Right now we have lots of channels of information. You get text messages and direct messages Twitter, Facebook feeds, and then phone calls you get, and even interactions with people that are like in front of you, like you go to coffee with them. You have all of these channels to process your world and your social life. And our tribes have, have definitely expanded. They've gone from being, you know, 30 or 40 people to three or 400 people. And I think in the very near future, in the next four or five years, we will have AI that helps us um, navigate that social world like a second kind of like a second part of our brain that says this person is stressed. This person likes you. This person is not your friend right now, right? Like that kind of interesting guide for navigating things that we would not normally associate machines being good at. I think that's coming and that'll be fun for us to see. That's both fun and absolutely terrifying, just even as you said it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's you asked for something right on the edge. That's it. That's coming. Guaranteed. Not here yet, but it will change a lot of the way we function. I love that. Well, Luke, I really appreciate you uh, 
expanding our brains a little bit and having some fun conversation about some of the things that we can do with computers that can really help aid us. Thanks for being on the show with us here today. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. Those of you that know me, you know, I'm a big geek. You know, I love computers and technology and all those things. And it's amazing all of the fun things that are coming down the road. Um, hopefully not Terminators or Rise of the Machines, that kind of stuff. But, you know, the cool things that we can do with data. I was talking to a person the other day and they brought out the really good point of the fact that, you know, when it comes to getting feedback, when it comes to knowing what people want with social media and all the data that we have at our fingertips these days, it's so much easier now to be able to really be able to know what people want, to ask, to find out, to research, all that kind of stuff. Um, and just from a purely data standpoint, we could, and often we don't, but we could even learn the lessons like our first guest went through and learn how to grow from their experiences without having to have to actually experience it. There's so much good data out there on just about anything you want to look at that can really help each of us really show up as our best in the world, deal with the things that we've gone through, maximize them to the most impactful they can be, and then live in this world as a thriving entrepreneur. I mean, isn't that really ultimately what we want to do is be able to really reach the world, impact the people we know whose lives we can make different, to see them succeed and thrive and learn and grow and be their best in all that they do too and then see them pass it forward and then make the difference in other people's worlds. And, uh, you know, I know that a lot of times it's easy to, uh, you know, be disheartened and feel like nothing's going right and yet, the easier, the better way is for us to look at, what can I do today? What could I put out into the world that makes this world a better place, even if it's just today, and help me be able to move the world forward? Imagine if just even one day, everybody in the world decided to take today and be the best them that they could possibly be. No matter how good or bad that might be, if everybody just focused on that just for one day, imagine how great that day would be. And imagine how much so many people could learn and live and grow and thrive. And how much better the world would be after even just one day like that. I really do hope that as each of us moves through the world, we're doing our part to do that. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose, and the world absolutely does need you. We need you to show up as who you are, the best version of you, to be the person that only you can be, to have taken the things that you've gone through, grown from them, learned from them, and helped them to help you to be even better, to thrive in all you do until you're thriving and truly free, exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or even think. I hope that even as you've listened today, you've learned some things and that you find yourself in a place where you're happy, safe, warm and loved, that you know how much I appreciate you and look forward to spending our time together. And until we're together again next time, I hope that you're blessed and you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. 
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You are-